when you go to write your check, you can make your check payable to the church, and on the memo line, write Annie Armstrong on it. So if you're giving cash? If you're giving cash, put it in an envelope and mark it as Annie Armstrong. And uh, that way we can keep those separate from uh, the regular offerings of the church. So uh, if you have God's word this morning, let me ask you to find Matthew, the sixth chapter. We're nearing the end of our series of messages on the model prayer. Today we're looking at uh, the first part of verse 13. And I want to speak today on this subject, facing our temptations. Facing our temptations. Matthew the sixth chapter. There Jesus says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, we've been looking at this Lord's Prayer, as it's sometimes called, for a while. And in this prayer, Jesus was giving us a pattern to follow, a template, if you will to base our own prayers. You know, a lot of people love to just quote this prayer, and I'm not criticizing that or prohibiting that. I don't believe that's what the Bible's saying here, but I don't think it was meant really to be quoted that way, just to, just to quote. He's teaching us how to pray. And we've looked at some things so far in this model prayer. What's this prayer about? Well, first of all, it's about relationship. Our Father who art in heaven. Not only is it about relationship, it's about reality. God is in heaven. And then he said, Hallowed be thy name. And this prayer is about reverencing. It's about uh, lifting up the name of God. Thy kingdom come. That's about reigning. God will reign one day uh, as supreme king. And then it's about uh, resigning. Uh, thy will be done on earth as it is uh, in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. And prayers about requesting. Asking God for the things that we need. And uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Prayers about releasing. Letting some things go. Forgiving others as God has forgiven us. And then finally today, prayers about relying. Relying on God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want you to know something about uh, this part of the prayer. Verse 11, verse 12, and verse 13 kind of tie together. Because in verse number 11, he says, give us our daily, daily bread. And that's about what? That's about our present needs. Asking God for the things we need. Then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's about our past life. And then today it's about our future. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So you see what we say there? We're asking for provision. Give us our daily bread. We're asking for pardon. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then, folks, we're asking for protection. 
what to do as we find ourselves in the hour of temptation. When we find ourselves being challenged, as we find ourselves maybe under satanic attack, how do we face that in our lives? Well, I believe that this uh, part of the prayer affords us some interesting insights today. And I want you to notice what this uh, plea of our Lord here speaks of. First of all, it speaks of our Lord's sovereign plan. Now, did you notice what he said there? Lead us. Did you catch that? Lead us. All right? You know, God is sovereign, ladies and gentlemen. God has a plan and a purpose for everything. He has a perfect will. And God's in control of this universe. Now, it seems like there's chaos and confusion and carnality on every hand. It seems like that we're in trouble and turmoil. But I want you to understand that beyond the montage of current events and the things that are going on in our world, God is sovereign. God's in control of our lives. Now he says there, lead us not into temptation. Now don't get the idea that God tempts us. God does not tempt us. Matter of fact, the Bible is, is, is very clear on this subject in in uh, James chapter 1 and uh, in verse number 13. In James 1 13, the Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So our temptations do not come from God. Now, while God will not tempt us, let me say this, he will test. Now, there's a difference between testing and temptation. You see, folks, Satan will tempt us to make us fall, but God will test us to make us stand. So, so we need to understand, folks, that, that uh, God is, is working in our lives, and we need to understand that uh, in all of the routine and utter routine experiences of life, God is leading us in our pathway of life. So he says, lead us. He leadeth me, oh, blessed thought. Folks, we need to understand that God's watch care extends to all of us at all times and all seasons of life. God is constantly watching over us. <laughs> yes, he's in his throne. Yes, he's in heaven. And I want you to know that he's in full control of everything that's going on in our lives and in our world today. And uh, so that gives me some comfort some solace and strength when I consider God's sovereign plan. Lead us. Now, not only does this speak of God's sovereign plan here, but it also speaks of our life's sinful pursuits. Now look what he says here. Lead us not into temptation. Now temptation is an experience of life for the child of God. We will encounter Temptations. In fact, the Bible says there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. All of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our maturity in Christ, regardless of our church affiliation, regardless of whatever's going on, we as believers will face temptations. We will find ourselves in the crucible. We will find ourselves in the furnace from time to time. Now, he says, lead us not into temptation. Now, if God is not the source of our temptations, where do they come from? 
What are the sources of temptation? Well, may I suggest that there's three primary sources of temptation in our lives? The first one is what I'll call the infernal source. Who am I talking about here? I'm talking about the devil himself. Temptations come from Satan. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. Make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, Satan is on the prowl today, and uh, we need to be on guard. In fact, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So our adversary is someone who cannot really be seen with the naked eye. Our conflict is not with human beings. Our conflict is not with the criminal, the arsonist, the rapist, the murderer, the thief. Our primary conflict is not with the corrupt politicians in Washington, Atlanta, and elsewhere. Our problem is not with the unbelieving professors in higher universities and colleges. Folks, our main adversary is the one we cannot see. But yet he's all around us. So folks, realize that Satan is very much alive and well. You know, some people have relegated Satan to the realm of superstition. He's like the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. He's not confined to the realm of superstition. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Uh, matter of fact, there was a book by that title many years ago by Hal Lindsey. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. And you can believe that he is. Now, folks, let me tell you something. Don't give Satan an inch. Because if you do, he'll become a ruler. And you'll catch that in a minute. <clears throat> Don't give Satan an inch. He'll become a ruler. Someone put it this way. Don't give Satan a ride. He'll want to drive. The Bible puts it this way. Don't give place to the devil. There is a wicked, evil, malevolent personality out there seeking to wreak havoc upon your life. He wants to disrupt your fellowship with God. And so we do have an infernal source of temptation. But not only do we have an infernal source, we have an external source. And what am I talking about here? I'm talking about the world. You know, the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 2 and uh, verse number 15. In 1 John 2 uh, 15, the Bible says this. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In fact, the Bible warns us in James 1.27 to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Now, what I'm talking about, folks, when I, when I say world, well, I'm not talking about the world of nature. I'm not talking about this planet that God has created. When I'm saying world, I'm talking about a system of thought, a system of behavior that's contrary to God and His Word. The world. Everything that's, that's uh, caught up in this sinful world of ours. Um, we're not to love this world. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're not to be conformed to this world. In Romans 12, verse 2. So, we're not to adopt the mindset. We're not to adopt the philosophy. We're not to adopt all the fads and fashions and trends of this world because they're not of God. And, uh, 
Folks, you, you don't have to uh, exhibit certain behaviors to be worldly. You know, there's some people who put it in this way, I don't smoke, cuss, or chew, nor do I associate with those who do. Well, the Bible commands biblical separation, ladies and gentlemen. But listen, there's more to worldly behavior than just smoking, drinking, and cussing. You can be in church and love the world. You can get caught up in uh, all of the fascinations of this world. But the Bible says there's one thing for sure, this world is passing away. This world is fading. Don't put too much stock in this world. Don't get settled down in this world. Don't love the world. So we have an internal source of temptation, the devil. We have an external source of temptation. We live in a fallen world. And then there is an internal source of temptation, and that is the flesh. Folks, we're not to obey the dictates of our flesh. Now, when the Bible talks about flesh, it's talking about our lower nature. It's who we are outside of Christ. And really, this is the most difficult of the, of the sources of temptation to battle because it's the enemy within. It's what's going on inside of us. In fact, uh, I want to listen to what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, Every man is tempted, he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You see, we have that old man inside of us, drawn away to what? Of our own lusts. And enticed. The Bible here uses the picture of a fishing bait, a hook, a line, or a few hunters will use a trap to capture an animal. That's really the picture here, is there are booby traps and a lot of it has to do with what's going on inside of us, ladies and gentlemen. Because we are fleshly people at times. In fact, uh, Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what goes out of him that defiles him. I want you to listen to what our Lord said in, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Matthew 15, verse 19. Jesus said this. He said, Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You see, the Pharisees were upset about people not washing their hands. Jesus said, It's not the washing of hands that cleanse a man. It's not, it's not these things that defile a man. It's not what goes in. It was, it's what's coming out. The heart. It's the seat of our emotions, our affections, and our wills. And so, our wills, our hearts, our egos. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You are your own worst enemy. The flesh. That weak part of us that is prone uh, to sin. You hear about the time when Johnny's mother got on to him? But what he'd done to his sister. Well, you see, he had his sister with a stick. He'd called her an ugly name, and he had spit on her. She said to him, Johnny, those are terrible things that you did. 
The devil made you hit her with a stick. Uh, the devil made you call her an ugly name. The devil made you do these things, Johnny. Johnny said, well, Mama, i got to tell you something. The devil made me hit her with a stick, and the devil made me call her an ugly name, but spitting on her was my idea. <laughs> you see, folks, it's not all the devil. You can't blame everything on the devil. Y'all remember Flip Wilson? The black comedian? He used to be fond of saying, the devil made me do it. Well, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, the devil can make you do nothing. He can only test, test you and tempt you. But he can't make you do a thing. And so these are the sources of our temptations. And then there are the avenues of temptation. 1 John 2.16 puts it this way. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of this world. Do you know there are three primary avenues of sin? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, the lust of the eyes, I mean, the lust of the flesh refers to what? Our appetites. We want gratification. We want our desires met. Particularly, sexual sins fall in this category. And then there is the lust of the eyes, and that's the allurements of this world, being attracted to uh, the things of this present day. And then there's the pride of life, and that's ambition. Now, folks, did you realize that when Eve was tempted in the Garden of Eden, all three fell into this these avenues. Remember, our Lord was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, and all the temptations came through these same primary ways. So you see, folks, we need to realize today that Satan will tempt us. We will fall because of the wicked world that we're living in. The environment that we're exposed to is conducive to sin. All around us, we are reminded of the perverse passions and problems and pitfalls associated with a fallen world. And then there is, of course, our flesh. By the way, let me say this. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. We're all tempted. The sin comes in when we succumb to that temptation. And so Jesus prays here, lead us not into temptation. You see, he's speaking about our Lord's sovereign plan. It's about our life's sinful pursuits. But here's the beautiful thing about this. It also speaks here about our Lord's saving power. Because what did he say, folks? It is not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And literally, it reads, deliver us from the evil one. Okay? There is protection in that moment of trial. There's protection available when you are subjected to Satan's onslaughts. There's protection available when you find yourself in the furnace of temptation. Folks, the Bible is replete with references to the fact that God can bring you through your hour of temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 uh, reminds us that God is faithful to see us through uh, the hour of Temptation. This is what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. They have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But listen to this. God is faithful. 
who will not allow you to be tempted with what you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. When our Lord says, lead us not into temptation, you know what I'm really telling us? He's saying, Lord, guide my path today and may no test that I go through subject me to a temptation which I cannot withstand. You know, where he's praying here for protection, our Lord's saving power. Folks, God will see us through uh, the time of temptation in our lives. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 puts it this way. The Lord, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. <laughs> Hallelujah. He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust until they have judgment to be punished. Let me tell you something. God keeps accurate accounts. God knows what we do and what we don't do. He knows about public sins. He knows about private sins. We can't cover anything up or hide anything from God. He sees what men's eyes do not see. Folks, he sees men who get on a computer screen and subject themselves to vile images of pornography on the internet. He sees it when men and women around this time of year file their taxes and cheat on the government. He sees uh, every secret sin. Sins that to men's eyes are hidden, but God sees it all, ladies and gentlemen. God keeps accurate accounts. Now folks, someone put it this way. God deals with uh, an unbelieving world on credit. But he deals with believers in cash. What I mean by that? I'm simply saying this, folks, that one day, every sin will be brought into account. Every vile act committed. Every heinous deed done. Every sin will be brought into judgment. God has to bring judgment upon sin to be just and to be God. And make no mistake about it, he will bring that judgment forward. God knows how to deliver the unjust unto punishment. Folks, don't let it bother you when it seems like people get away with things down here. Because I got news for you, they're not going to ultimately get away with anything. Folks, down here, men's courts are corrupt and evil, but I'm going to tell you something, in God's court is absolute justice. There is one supreme court <clears throat> that will get it right. Now listen, God promises judgment. He's dealing with unbelievers on credit. Time's running out. You, you, you make a charge, ultimately that charge has to be paid for, does it not? You make a transaction on your credit card. You pull out that piece of plastic, put it down, make a purchase. But guess what? 15, 20 days later, you've got to pay for it. It's borrowed time. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't want to live on God's borrowed time. Oh, but God deals with cash. Now. He deals with us now. He deals with his children in a different way. You see, folks, unbelievers, those who are lost without Christ, those who are in sin, they can't help with themselves, but they commit sin. But all these, those of us who are children of God, those of us who are by faith in Jesus Christ, we must face our sins in a different way. Because God will bring our sins under chastisement. The Bible talks about the chastisement of God. That God will take care of his children. But folks, we need to pray for protection in the hour of temptation. How's the songwriter put it? When temptations around you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. God knows how to deliver the God out of temptation. Ephesians chapter 6 says what? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. 
He further goes on to tell us about the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may go to withstand the wiles of the devil. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is there's saving power. There's a resource. We can rely upon God in the hour of temptation. When the weakness comes, and it will come. Oh, breathe that holy name in prayer. Use the word of God. It's interesting. In that whole passage about the armor of God, you know there's only one offensive weapon? Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Folks, you need to have an arsenal of scripture available at your beck and call in the hour of testing. You know when our Lord was tempted in the wilderness? When Satan came against him? You know how he responded each time? It is written. It is written. It is written. Folks, he can't withstand the power of God's word. And we need to wield the sword of the Spirit in the time of temptation. In the time of fleshly weakness, wield the word of God in power. You've got to know it. You've got to memorize it. You've got to apply it. By the way, read the Bible correctly. Appropriate it correctly. You know, a lot of people misuse the Bible. A lot of people misunderstand the Bible. But when it is used correctly, when it's interpreted properly, it is a powerful resource, a powerful weapon in the hands of the Lord's warriors. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. By the way, did you know the, Bible, the devil knows the Bible better than most Christians? Matter of fact, when he tempted our Lord in the wilderness, you know what he did? Misquoted and misapplied Scripture. Oh, yeah, the devil knows the Bible. He knows a lot better than most Christians do. But folks, appropriate that word. Read it. Study it. Pray over it. Bring it to your mind. Bring it to your heart. Have that reservoir of Scripture to draw upon in the time of need. So you see, this is a prayer about protection. It's about safeguarding us in that time of weakness and trial. Folks, who knows when that greatest trial may be coming? You know, you may face a great temptation today. And oftentimes, that's what temptation does. It comes to us out of nowhere. It comes to us when we are least expecting it. And God will attack us at our weakest point. Don't yield. Don't yield. But R.G. Lee, pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis many years, used to put it this way. You can eat the devil's corn if you want to, He'll choke you on the cob. Ladies and gentlemen, only heartache, ruin, and sorrow comes when we succumb to Satan's temptations. When we give in to the evil desires of our flesh, we are allow ourselves to be enamored with the things of a failing and fallen world. Be true. Be firm. Be courageous. Be is not you temptation. But deliver us. Now, I want to ask you a question as I close this service today and bring this message to a conclusion. Precious friend of mine, do you know the Lord Jesus? Are you a saved man? Are you a saved woman? Folks, Christ died to save us, gave his life on the cross, gave us a new life, gives us that resource, that power, that new outlook on life that we can have. And often it's because we are Christians that we're subjected to certain temptations. The bottom line, first and foremost, be saved. 
know you're ready to go to heaven when you die. And then, precious Christian friend of mine, if you are saved, this is an experience common to every man or woman of faith. And we need to stand firm in the hour of temptation. Temptations can be overcome. You don't have to fall to temptation. There's power available. You may need to come down and pray for strength, grace, and help. Maybe you're going through a particular testing and trial. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. I'd be glad to do that if you come forward this morning. Uh, but folks, be true to God. Stand up. Be counted in the hour of te temptation when it comes. Knowing that God will give ultimate victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If there's a need in your life today, will you respond to the invitation? Let's stand for prayer. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, our Father, you have taught us to resist temptation to deliver, deliver us from the evil one. God, thank you for your power, your grace, your strength, your word that are available to us in our time of need. Now, Father, if we give this invitation, I pray that if anyone here who needs to make a decision for Christ, that they'll come forward. Maybe, maybe to receive Christ, maybe to be uh, uh, prayed with, maybe they want counsel, maybe they want to confess sin and have their own little time of prayer here at the altar. Lord, no matter what it is, thank you that your grace and your forgiveness are all sufficient. Maybe we've already yielded to that temptation, but thank God there's forgiveness through the cross. There's forgiveness through the blood that was shed. So Father, touch our lives, speak to every heart, and this service today is our prayer. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn invitation is 450. Precious Lord, take my hand. He'll do that today if you want to reach out to him. Reach out to him today in faith and love. Let him encourage him, strengthen him, and secure you for your time of this.
Many have fallen in an hour of weakness. The Bible says that him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So let's encourage one another, pray for one another, help one another. I'm glad Janice is here this morning. I want y'all to know Janice and I are working on the website for church. And we're, 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 we've got a little template made out. We're, we're working on it. And so you stay tuned. Because very, very soon we're going to be able to launch this, uh, this website. And we hope that it'll be helpful. We hope we'll be able to put my sermons on it. Uh, maybe there may be a portal there for us to give. Um, so just stay tuned. Please help me with that. Janice, I really appreciate uh, your help. Welcome. I'm not a tech-savvy guy, okay? So I need somebody who's a little more savvy than I am. But I think it'd be a useful tool for the church. And so we're, we're working on it. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you for coming. I appreciate it so much. And um, I appreciate uh, each one of you. You mean so much to me and Judy. We thank God for the privilege of being your pastor and your wife here at Antioch Baptist Church. Y'all have a blessed day, the Lord. We watch over you, bless you, and keep you. Is Bill back there? <clears throat> Bill, where are you? Okay, there's Bill. Uh, Brother Bill, I'm going to ask you to please in our closing prayer. Would you please, sir? Well, dear Father, Lord, as we depart from that, Lord, and leave this, this second place, Lord, we ask you to be with us, bless us, keep us. And Lord, just make your face shine upon us. Go through it each day, and Lord, as we face the, the problems and the troubles that we have each day in this world, Lord, just comfort us. Let us know that there's a better day coming, Lord. But Lord, just let it come to you. Lord, give us traveling mercies as we leave here.